Welcome to another great message by Pastor Adrian Wright, lead pastor at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. So we've been doing this series, a little sub-series in the book of 1 Corinthians called Concerning Spiritual Gifts, the Spiritual Gifts, looking at uh, the gifts of the Spirit and how the Holy Spirit empowers us and equips us. Remember, it's all about being on mission. And last week we said something which I think was maybe the most important thing that we said, um, is that the gifts are undergirded. The foundation of the gifts is, is love. The foundation or the reason or the main motivation is because God continually wants to make Himself known to this world. And He does it through us as His church, which is such a beautiful thing that God never just kind of gives us a one-time glimpse of Himself and then, you know, hopes that that will be enough. No, he continually reiterates, he continually pursues every person on this planet. And that's the heart of God. And the gifts are just equipping to be able to do that, um, to show God, to make God real. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that we'll cover that the greater way, the more excellent way is by love. And so I, I love the fact that the gifts of the Spirit that we're discussing right now are meant to be an expression of God's heart just like Jesus was an expression of God's heart. When he came to earth, he didn't condemn. He didn't come to judge. He came to save. He came to heal. He came, came to deliver, to set free, to help, to, to comfort, to exhort. And in the same way, uh, we as the church get re to represent God's heart by operating in these gifts, these gifts of the Spirit. And last week, we started in 1 Corinthians 12, looking at looking at the revelation gifts of the Spirit, uh, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits, uh, which are gifts that reveal, that show something, that give a fragment of information, that often incorporated into prophecy that we'll talk about today. Um, but a very powerful way for us as leaders to be able to lead well, to be able to assess situations spiritually, and for God to equip His church to also make a, a, a difference in the lives of others as he gives us this insight into, you know, the, the spiritual realm. But I was just thinking about how crazy our world is right now. Everything that we're going through here in Joburg, you know, we're locked down again. We're facing still, uh, you know, after all of these months, we're still facing the effects of this pandemic. There's so many things going on and I can imagine how, you know, stressed people are feeling and anxious many people are feeling. We've obviously heard and been praying for people as well. Um, and sometimes I think we think that we're the first kind of generation in history to feel that way. Um, but the truth is, is that if you were living in the time of Jesus with the Roman Empire conquering all the nations in the, in the known world in that time and, and in, you know, just all the different variations of battle and war and strife and, and uh, plagues and all kinds of things that would befall them or could befall them, I can imagine that the people in that time were also incredibly nervous or anxious. And, and I don't think that's a unique thing to our generation. Um, and, and so the disciples have Jesus with them. And for three years, Jesus travels with them. Jesus you know, is there to mentor them, to encourage them, to lead them, to guide them. And they're actually seeing Jesus do miracles. They're seeing Jesus pray for the sick. They're seeing Jesus raise the dead. They're seeing Jesus uh, you know, just work miracles in every kind of situation. 
And, and I can think that these disciples are with Jesus going, man, as long as Jesus is with us, we're going to be absolutely fine. They'll be, you know, we'll be 100% good. And then Jesus drops a bombshell on them at one point and he says, I'm going to the Father to prepare a place for you. And where I'm going, you cannot follow right now. Like it, you guys still have to stay here and do the work of the ministry. But in the second half, you're going to do it without me. <laughs> I can imagine all of the disciples in that moment, just, you know, the blood running from their heads and then just being absolutely astounded at the fact that Jesus is going to leave it all up to them. And, and, and they start asking some real searching questions. They're like, okay, so how, how do we follow you again? How do we find you if we need you? But Jesus encourages them with these words that I think is so important for all of us as Christians to know. He says, do not worry. I will not leave you as orphans. In other words, I'm your father and I'm not going to leave you just by yourself to try and figure it out by yourself. But I will send you. He says, it's good for you that I go so that I can send you another helper, capital H. And he will remind you of everything that I have taught you. And he will be your comforter and he will guide you and he will lead you and he will strengthen you and this is the promise of the holy spirit and so the holy spirit the fact that god sent his spirit to indwell us to baptize us and to endue us with the power of god in our lives actually means that we don't have space for fear and anxiety and stress because it means that even though we may feel those things in a moment we always have a greater power working inside of us than the forces that are pressing in on us from the outside. And this is just one of the ways that God equips his church through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've spoken about that quite a bit in the last while. So today we want to look at the inspiration gifts, how the Holy Spirit that we have with us actually inspires us and speaks to us and gives us things to say. I want to share a message with you today entitled say something say something um, the other day i was mindlessly scrolling on my phone as you do um, i was just kind of going through my social media feeds and i wasn't looking for anything in particular i kind of robotically i think even picked up my phone i didn't you know even think about it too much i think we've been i think we need to take a little bit of stock about how conditioned we are to just picking up our phones but anyways i did that and it was while we were watching tv and, um, and I was scrolling and scrolling and I saw an opinion that I didn't agree with and I saw a thing that was a little bit silly and then I saw another thought and then, I, and then there was a little bit of a meme and, and after a while I thought to myself, I'm so sick of my phone, I'm so sick of all these messages, none of it actually means anything to my life, none of it actually builds me up and I don't know if you remember Lee but I looked over to you, I put my phone down, I said I'm so sick of my phone. And, uh, and you said, well, why don't you just watch this TV show with me that we're actually busy watching? And I said, well, I'm so sick of the TV as well, you know. And I think one of the reasons for that is, is that as much as it's convenient to just get something to distract you in a moment or to watch a TV show or whatever, a lot of what we consume from a spiritual and a soul kind of level, um, a lot of what we consume has just no nutritional value. It doesn't build up. It doesn't edify. It doesn't strengthen. It doesn't teach. It doesn't do anything to our spirits on the inside. If anything, it discourages and it creates fear and it, and it, you know, and it, and it involves you in all kinds of arguments and opinions and so forth. And so, you know, it's kind of like eating a donut. We love eating donuts. We love eating, you know, desserts, great food. Um, but, you know, the thing about a donut is as good as it tastes in the moment, 
it has absolutely no nutritional value. It's not actually adding anything good to you. If anything, it, it's adding too much sugar, uh, which is why we limit it. You know, we limit those things because they have no nutritional value. And I was imagining, you know, us trying to, for example, go and run the Comrades Marathon um, and, and, you know, strapping on our shoes. And the only thing that we have to eat before we head out to run the marathon is a donut. Like, I don't think we'll get more than about maybe two kilometers before we collapse on the ground and need the paramedics to come and fetch us. So, so you need nutrition if you're gonna run the race. And in the same way, I think when it comes to a spiritual point of view, we need nourishment. We need the word of God. We need the voice of God. We need the scriptures to be speaking into our hearts and into our lives. Because it's only through that that we actually get the energy and the strength and the nourishment to be able to grow as Christians and to be able to move forward and fulfill God's purpose in our life. So, so the Word of God really is nourishment. It really is the nutrients that we need to keep growing. Um, Paul actually says this to the church in 1 Corinthians 3, which we've already covered. But in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 3, he says, But I, brothers and sisters could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Right? So now he's talking about milk there, and he's saying he gave the people in Corinth milk. But I don't think that Paul went to maybe his closest farm and, you know, found a cow and, and put some milk in a pail and brought it back to the church in Corinth or went and bought some milk at the market and poured them each glass and said, here, I'm feeding you all milk because you're not spiritual yet. He's obviously talking about the fact that, that the word of God is nourishment, that it's, that, it's, that it's something that we consume, it's something that we take in, and that it's something that we're then able to grow by. And so he says, just like with a baby, you can't just give them solid food, you start off with the milk. He's teaching them still the fundamentals of what our faith is actually all about. And it's amazing that even when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, these are still fundamental things. These are still you know, basic things for us to understand as we grow in Christ. He says, for you are not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh? And so he's still pointing to the fact that that there, is, there are symbols or signs of immaturity. You'll know when somebody's immature because they still act like babies. They still act fleshly, jealousy and strife and all these things. He says, and when you do this, when you act, um, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Some translations say a merely human way. And so when I read that scripture, just in relation to the word of God, the speaking of God, the voice of God in our lives that causes us to grow, you know, what I realized is that there's two things in this verse. The first one is that the Word of God is our food. It is our bread. It is our water. It is our, what we take in to grow. It is our milk. It is our meat. It is, it is what we need. And so even right now, what you, you know, listening to this message as God's Word goes forth has the ability to cause you to grow and be strengthened. And so it's so valuable. It's nourishment to us. But secondly... Growing, as we can see here, growing in Christ looks like us becoming more than merely human. So he says, if you're just acting in the flesh and you've just adopted some philosophy, and then you're just going to act natural. You're just going to act, act merely human. 
But we're actually called to be more than just merely human. You know, when, somebody, when you say to somebody, I made a mistake, but I'm just human. But the truth is, you're not just human. You've got the Spirit of God residing on the inside of you. And so when you speak, it's not just human words. God is able to infuse with the words. When we speak on His behalf, He is able to infuse His Spirit with our words that will actually be able to bring about light in the lives of those we're speaking to. And that's what's so powerful about these inspiration gifts and about the Word of God. You know, initially, it was obviously the Word of God that created life. He said, in the, in the beginning, it says that, you know, God was, was there and, and, and through Him all things were created. And He said, let there be light. And as He spoke it, there was light. And so everything that exists, exists because of the Word of God that went forth and had that creative ability. And so if God's Word created us, even as He breathed His breath into Adam's nostrils, that Ruach Spirit, if God's Word is what created us, Obviously, it's also God's word that will invigorate us, that will energize us, that will strengthen us. And that's really the, the purpose of the gifts of the spirit. It's there to energize and to encourage and to exhort and to comfort. In Hebrews 1 verse 3, it says, speaking about Jesus, it says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and upholds the universe by the word of his power. Initially, in, in John 1, it tells us that through him, everything was made and not a thing was made without him. And it tells us in verse 3 here of, of the first chapter of Hebrews that it's still his word of power that holds everything together. The very fibers of our being, the very molecules in our being and in all of the universe is held together by the power of God's word. That's so incredible. So, so the more of God's word we can hear, the more he speaks to us, the more it will have an impact. It'll change. It'll transform. And, uh, and that's why this, we love the scriptures. The scriptures are the gold standard. And I think it's super important for people to know that we never put a prophecy that is shared with us um, above scripture. It will always confirm scripture. If you can't find it in the scriptures, if it doesn't confirm what God's word has already declared over us, it, it's just not of God. And so that's the first test. Does, does it line up with God's word? Does it line up with the scriptures? Uh, you know, the Bible tells us that the, 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 the testimony of Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Ultimately, it all points back to Jesus. And that's so important for us to know as we go down this journey. Um, but in the inspiration gifts, God will speak through an individual and cause them to prophesy, to speak on his behalf. And again, some people doubt this. Again, people doubt whether um, the office of a prophet is still for today. They doubt whether the gift of prophecy still operates today and all those kinds of things. But we covered why we believe that these gifts have continued in a previous message. You can go ahead and listen to that. Um, but I found it so interesting. I was reading up on this this week and there was one of my favorite authors and, and preachers of all time is Charles Spurgeon. I just love how he writes and how he says things. And I was reading up on Charles Spurgeon and, and uh, you know, apparently Charles Spurgeon was leaning over towards the camp of cessationism that believed that the gifts didn't continue beyond the early church. And, um, but then I read another diary account of his in London where he was preaching. And while he was preaching, he stopped and he looked over at a man in the audience and he said to this man, the gloves that you are wearing now are not your own. And just left it at that and carried on with his message. Stopped right in the middle, 
and said that, and this man then came to Charles Spurgeon afterwards, and he recorded this in his diary. You can go ahead and look this up for historical accuracy. But the man came and admitted to Charles Spurgeon that he had actually stolen those gloves from his employer and that he would be taking them back. And so even in times of history where people have been not sure if they believe it all theologically, if they, you know, trust it all, and if they can 100% say that it's still for today, in a moment, they still end up operating by it. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit can just choose a person and go, I'm going to give you a word right now, whether you believe this theology or not, I'm going to use you to encourage somebody else because that's my purpose, and I'm sovereign in this, and so go ahead and do it. And, um, and even Charles Spurgeon, even though he wasn't sure where he stood on it theologically, um, actually operated in it at times, in what would have then been the word of knowledge in that moment. So it is something I believe is for all of us. And as we said last week, the Holy Spirit can work in anybody with any of these gifts um, as He wills. So you don't necessarily need to have a healing ministry in order for God to use you to pray for somebody to be healed. You don't necessarily need to have a prophetic ministry or even stand in the office of a prophet in order for God to give a message through you to the church. Now, people who do stand in those offices and do have those ministries specifically, like there's activities and ministries and gifts, you know, God would use people that stand in the office of a prophet more regularly using this gift, obviously, than others, because that's a calling on their lives. But God can use any of these gifts in any believer's life to make a difference in a moment. Let's read 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. It says, but the manifestation, again, that word manifestation, something tangible is actually happening of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So it's for the common good of everyone. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge, and to another faith by the same spirit, to another gift of healings by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, which is what we're going to be looking at today, to another prophecy, to another discerning of, of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. So we're going to be talking about those three inspiration gifts, the gifts of prophecy, the gift of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues today. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So these inspiration gifts are gifts that say something. And whenever it comes, whenever it comes to saying something, um, you know, it is listed statistically Public speaking is listed statistically as the number one fear of all of humanity. Like the majority of people on, on the planet would rather die, be locked in a room with snakes and spiders, be burned to death, be, I don't know, you know, anything you can think of. But when people have been asked for their number one fear, um, the majority of people globally have listed public speaking, which is so incredible that it's that, it's, that it ranks so highly. Just getting up in front of some people and talking is a real, a real fearful thing. And I know, Lee, that, you know, being a bit more of an introvert and somebody that loves to counsel and be one-on-one, -on -one, that's definitely not something that you just like, oh, give me that gift. Like, I want to get up and I want to preach, you know. Um, even being in front of the camera today as opposed to being behind the camera as you usually are um, took a little bit of convincing. Um, and there are a lot of people like that. And so I think a lot of people who feel that way basically go, well, then the gift of prophecy is not for me because I don't want to get up and speak. I don't want to do that, you know, and, and they kind of see it in, in one context only. Um, but I know that a lot of people are saying, please, God, don't give me that gift. I'm not a good public speaker. Um, and that's why I found Matthew 10 verse 19 to 20 always so encouraging. 
even for even for me when I when I overthink things, you know, oftentimes what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Um, you know, I turn to the scripture. In Matthew 10, verse 19 to 20, it says, But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, it will be given you what to say. So something, just think about the logistics of that for a minute. You're standing in front of some people. How is it given to you? Do you get a note? Is it like a text? Do you get a WhatsApp? Is there like a banner in the sky? How is it given to you? No, it's given through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is within us, and then He is able to speak through us. And that's what it says here. It says it will be given to you, for it will not be you speaking. Isn't that amazing? That we could actually, obviously it's our mouth speaking, but the utterance, the words, the thoughts that flow forth actually come from the Holy Spirit. It says, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. That's so encouraging to know that the Spirit of our Father can speak through us in a moment where we don't know what to say. And that's happened to me many times as I've counseled people. I know, Lee, you've shared it before as well when you've been counseling people where you had no idea how to handle the situation, what, you know, it's not something you'd personally face and you're wondering how can you help them. And then in that moment, as you're speaking, the Holy Spirit just begins to speak through you. And you start delivering advice that, and I know I've experienced this where I actually take a step back. It's like I'm watching myself and I'm going, that is really good advice. <laughs> like, I didn't think of that. I didn't come up with that. That's not me. I almost feel like I need to take notes afterwards. I need to write it down because it's so good. And I want to know uh, and remember what I had shared. But that's just one more of those evidences that it's actually truly God that speaks through us, that gives us that wisdom um, to impart to others. The first one we want to look at is the gift of prophecy. Now, prophecy means to speak before, and it could also mean to speak above. So it's this idea, this message that God gives to us to be able to share with somebody else regarding the future. It involves perhaps fragments of knowledge, the word of knowledge is involved with it, and the word of wisdom as we're able to kind of help people chart a, a course for the future. Um, but it also means to speak greater than. It, ultimately, what it's talking about is the fact that, that it is able to be a word that is bigger than the word that people are fighting in their own minds or thinking in their own minds. So you know how often words and thoughts come into our minds and we battle with identity thoughts and insecurity thoughts and anxious thoughts about the future. And we wonder what's going to happen here and what's going to happen there. Prophecy literally steps onto the scene when that, all of that's happening and says, he has a greater word. It's the word of God. It's the voice of God. It's the heart of God. And this is what you can look forward to in the future. And this is how God is, is encouraging us in a moment. And that's why it is such a, such a powerful word when God does that, because it almost supersedes every other word, every other opinion, every other thought, every other diagnosis. It can be a doctor's report or a friend's opinion or a nagging thought that you've had for all of your life. When God's word arrives, it is always greater than. And um, at times it can be concerned with the present or even the past, or it could even simply be a doctrinal truth. You know, the scriptures are prophetic in the fact that they're speaking into our future all the time. And, and so often it can be a, a doctrinal truth that's shared with a believer for them to grasp onto and to, it realigns, it has that job of realigning, realigning and re, refocusing our hearts on Jesus. It always points to Jesus and helps us to trust in him in a greater way. Um, 
And so it's always God's message spoken forth. Both the Hebrew and the Greek show that. It's a message from God that is spoken forth and then often combines the word of knowledge and wisdom to deliver a truth revealed by God. All right, we'll look at one example here in Acts 11, verse 28. It says, Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit, so by the Spirit he showed, that there was going to be a great famine throughout the world, throughout all the world. Now remember, Agabus wasn't one of the original apostles. Uh, he was just one of the ministers. He stood in the office of a prophet in the New Testament. And he said that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also did then happen in the days of Claudius Caesar. So even when it comes to world events, you know, what is the purpose of that? Well, anybody facing that famine when it did come about would have been prepared because they would have received God's word through Agabus, who said, prepare, there will be a famine. People prepared for it. And when it happened, they knew they could trust in God. They knew that God was involved in that moment. And so um, that is just one example of prophecy from the New Testament. But it's also important, and I know we mentioned this last week, but it's important for us to distinguish the difference between an Old Testament prophet and a New Testament prophet. In the Old Testament, the prophets were pretty much infallible. When they shared the word of God, when they got up and they prophesied, that was God's word in that moment, almost in the same way that the scriptures were written as people were, as people wrote, as, as the Holy Spirit guided them and gave them the utterance. But in the New Testament, we stand in a prophetic gift. We have a prophetic gift. The Holy Spirit speaks through us in a moment. And then there are some who stand in the office of a prophet that are actually called to operate regularly as prophets. And they operate by this gift of prophecy. So people in the New Testament are not necessarily infallible in the sense that whatever they're sharing that truly is from God, I believe, is infallible. But beyond that, when they're sharing, if they've added anything in of their own opinion or maybe their own context or they've misread something that the Spirit was saying to them, there is a, 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 some measure of error that could come in with New Testament prophecy. And so the Bible is actually very clear about that. It says that, uh, in fact, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 20 to 21, Paul actually writes to the church and he says, do not despise prophecies. So don't despise them, right? Don't look away from them. Don't discourage them. We said that with the spiritual gifts of people, instead of desiring the spiritual gifts, and we're even called to desire prophecy. But some people have turned that into despising prophecy or discouraging prophecy. Whereas 1 Thessalonians 5, 20, 21 says, Do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. And so we can test it according to God's word. We can test it according to what resonates in our own spirits. God will speak to us first and it will be a confirmation of what he said. And we can receive, if somebody shares a prophecy with us, we can receive it from that place and trust that God is speaking to us and that we will be able to test everything and hold fast to what is good. Ultimately, the purpose of prophecy is, uh, it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, he who prophesies, not when the apostle pro prophesies or when the early church prophesies, but when he's writing to the church in general here in Corinth, and he says, he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. And so that's ultimately the purpose of prophecy is to comfort and to edify and to exhort. Uh, I think one of the reasons why people uh, are in a position or found themselves in a position where they despise the prophecies or discourage the prophecies is because it's been misused oftentimes, you know, where there's been discomfort rather than comfort or uh, it's been used to be able to control or create fear or manipulate. 
you know, uh, babes, like when, when we were dating and I came up to you and I said to you, hey, God told me that you're my wife. And I'm just kidding. I never said that. If I had said that, would you even have looked? Yeah, probably would have been the end of that right there. So guys, there's a little bit of a tip for you. Do not tell any kind of a girl that God told you that she was your wife. Um, I think what you probably would have told me if I ever said that to you is, well, God would have told me that first. Um, you know, and, and I know other guys have said that to you as well. And, and that was your answer. Like, hey, um, thanks for letting me know, but I'm pretty sure God's going to tell me about this whole deal before he just dumps it on me uh, with what you're saying. So, so, you know, it's not there to manipulate or to get people to bend people to your will. I think it's also important that people know you don't have to be weird to prophesy. I think some people think that in order to prophesy, you need a ponytail or a mullet or, and you know, you need to be pretty hairy and like eat locusts and honey in the wilderness and just be a little crazy. And you don't have to be that way in order to prophesy. You can just be yourself. In fact, I believe the Holy Spirit works best through us when we're relaxed, when we're just ourselves. God made us who we are. And in that way, he will use us as well. So, so um, I, I can tell you another story of a time that somebody shared a, a word with me that I knew wasn't a word. In fact, I was leading a, a youth ministry that had, uh, you know, it's quite a large youth ministry and we had Friday night meetings. And um, there was this guy that attended every now and again and he had started kind of a dance ministry and he wanted to perform at our youth. And so instead of just coming to me and saying, hey, I've got this ministry, is it okay if we maybe come and do an item at your youth? He came up to me after a Friday night service and he said to me, hey, um, God spoke to me and he said on this date, and I think it was something like the 13th of April, on, on the 13th of April, we will be performing at this church in this youth ministry. And so I was like, okay, well, man, that's an amazing word. Let me go and pray about it and let God speak to me and then I'll come back to you, you know, and I, I went away and I, I didn't pray. I just actually looked up on the calendar and he had accidentally picked the wrong date. So the 13th of April at that time was a Thursday. And, um, and so I got back to him the next week. I said to him, hey, so, you know, I thought about it, prayed about it. And the 13th, which you said God said, is actually a Thursday and none of us will be here. But you guys are welcome to come through and, you know, do a little item in the parking lot if you like. You know, and I was just calling him out in that moment for just kind of being silly around God said, and I know that many of us have experienced that, um, which is something that causes people to shy away, I think, from prophecy. Um, but a prophecy will confirm, be confirmed in your own heart. It will resonate and you'll be able to hold fast to that truth as God speaks to us directly. And that's the, the real difference in the New Testament as well, is that we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. His word, his prophecies confirm God doesn't need other people to say things to us that we're not hearing from him ourselves as well. And so it's just purely encouragement on top of that. But Lee, I wanted to ask you, because I know that this is something that you actually operate in a lot more than me, that you you have, God has used you in very powerfully as you've written things down for people or felt a word for somebody in church or as you've been counseling that God has often used you to share um, incredibly powerful prophetic words with people. How does that happen for you? Is it like, do you see the words appearing in the sky? Is it, is it through a picture? Is it through an audible voice? I mean, how does God actually bring that prophetic word to you in order to share with somebody else? So for me personally, it's, it's always through a picture or an image that, that pops into my head. I'm always awake, fully, fully conscious, 
um, and it's literally just a split second image. Yeah. Um, it happens most often when I'm actually praying, and I don't mean after you know two hours in the prayer closet, and yeah. then only the Holy Spirit speaks. Yeah. Um, I usually pray in my car, and you know if somebody's on my heart, I'll say a simple prayer for them, and sometimes you know God will give me a picture, and um, straight after the picture, then um, the the word that goes with the picture, God puts in my heart, and yeah. the two kind of go together perfectly. Yeah. Um, but there's two. There's always two. Uh, common elements when I have visions or, or words for people um, or for myself is that God's love is not only evident but overwhelming um, yeah. in all of them always um, to the point where it overwhelms me even if the yeah. vision is not for me personally I get so overwhelmed by that love that it, it brings me to tears almost That's every nice. single time um, and the other element is there's always at least one scripture reference that goes with it yeah um, so it's always always connected to scripture so good so good and i think that even that praying you know like as you're locking into god's voice as you're busy praying as you're busy uh communicating with god and he lays somebody on your heart and then you get the picture and the scripture and the word it just you know it just shows that it's as we connect and as we engage that the holy spirit often helps us to 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 share those words you know and and I think it's so it's so applicable and relevant for people. And I know that there are others that have dreams, perhaps at night, that are prophetic dreams. Um, you know, the Bible says, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And the, the young men will see visions and the old men will dream dreams. And, you know, God said he will pour on, out his spirit on, on all flesh, male and female. And, you know, Jew and Greek and slave and free. And all of us can operate by the spirit in this way. And so um, I think it's so awesome that you've been able to to uh, share those moments with people and share that word with people and that is the idea of prophecy i know that many times you know as you share that with people they're overwhelmed as well you know emotionally just knowing that god loves them and that again is an expression of god's love and an expression of 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 his heart towards people and so and so that is really the the, the point of prophecy uh, next i want to look at something that's actually the same as prophecy in some senses and i'll explain that but it's the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues and i want to go to act 2 verse 46 this moment when the holy spirit was poured out on the day of pentecost it says they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance and they were dwelling in jerusalem jews devout men from every nation under heaven and when this sound occurred the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. And so the gift of tongues is a supernatural utterance by the Holy Spirit in a language. This is what makes it different to prophecy is that it is in a language that is not known to the speaker, him or herself. Right. So, so the gift of tongues is a message given to the church or given to another that is done in a language not known to the speaker. So... It can be, as in the case of the, what we saw on the day of Pentecost, that these men were speaking in languages that they didn't know themselves, but those who heard were able to understand those languages. In other words, they were earthly languages. It could also be in a heavenly language, a language that isn't understood by anybody, um, and in that sense, it then requires the gift of interpretation for those to be able to interpret what is being said. And so this is where we find 
where it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, right? So there's the earthly languages and there's the heavenly languages, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, you know, it really is about, you know, even if you can speak in tongues and even if God uses you powerfully in these, in these gifts, it's got to be accompanied by love. Again, that is the motivation. But there we see those two distinctions between an earthly language or uh, a heavenly language. It can be both. The key difference, though, is, and this is, a, a, I think, a point of confusion for a lot of people, is that there is speaking in tongues and praying in tongues in order to build yourself up, to build oneself up in the most holy faith. And then there is the gift of tongues, which is a message to the church. Remember, the gifts are given for the benefit of all, for the profit of all, to build up and exhort the church. And, and Paul actually says it in so many words in 1 Corinthians 14. We'll look at that in a moment. But but the point is, is that people often ask me and they say, well, if if is tongues for everybody? Is praying in tongues for everybody? Is having a, a heavenly prayer language for everyone? Because, you know, it's not even one of the greater gifts. It's just one of the gifts of the Spirit. And I said, a gift of the Spirit fulfills the function of building up the church, but praying in the Spirit or speaking in tongues is to build up yourself. And so um, they, they actually function in two different contexts, which is very important for people to understand. In 1 Corinthians 14, 4-5, it says, The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, and I think that that's quite significant that Paul says everybody can speak in tongues, can pray in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up, right? So the one who speaks or prays in a tongue, it says, builds himself up. So when we have a time of prayer, where we're praying in tongues and where we're speaking in the Holy Spirit, we're actually building up our own faith. Just like it says in Jude 1 verse 20, it says, Beloved, uh, building yourselves up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. And some people are quick to say, well, praying in the Holy Spirit doesn't mean praying in tongues. Um, but in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, Paul says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So it's not you actually thinking up what to pray. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit praying through you. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit but I will pray with my mind also. In other words, we're praying in the Spirit, but we also then switch over to praying with our own thoughts and our own mind and our own language. And many times, even doing that, you can end up interpreting your own tongues and the message that perhaps God wants for you in that moment uh, to share with you. But why does it say in that scripture that the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in a tongue unless he interprets in order to build up the church? Well, I believe that we're, we're always greater. So as much as, as much as praying in the Spirit builds us up, we're always greater. And it is always a greater endeavor when we're, when we're building others up, when we're, when we're encouraging others. And so we can pray in tongues as often as possible, as it says in Ephesians 6, praying in the Spirit as often as possible. That builds us up. But it is an even more powerful thing when we get to build others up. The problem is, is that if we walked up to somebody, if I walked up to you and I just spoke in tongues for 20 minutes and walked away, you would not be edified by that. That would not build you up. That would not encourage you. In fact, it would probably be a little bit weird. So in that sense, either I need to or somebody else that has the ability, that gift to interpret that tongue, what I just said, should come along and share it in 
a, a, a language that would be understood by you so that it could have its desired effect, which is to encourage and exhort and to comfort. And that's why Paul says it would be better for you to speak five intelligible words um, in the church uh, than to, to come with, with you know, 20,000 words of, in a tongue that nobody really understands what it's saying. And so in that way, what's important to understand is that tongues and the interpretation of tongues, which is why we're dealing with them together, is the equivalent of prophecy. It's a message to the church, and it needs to be interpreted in order for the church, for people to understand what it actually says. And so it must be interpreted, that gift of interpretation. And again, this can be a heavenly language that's interpreted. And in that case, it's not like a word-for-word translation. It's not like this word means that. You don't codify it. It's just as the Spirit speaks, it connects with another believer. And from the Spirit, they're then able to share the message of God. Uh, Even if it was a really short bit of uh, speaking in tongues, it could be a long prophecy that comes out of it or a long interpretation if that's what God's Spirit is saying. And so it's not normally or necessarily um, some language that is directly translated. However, it can also be like on the day of Pentecost where it is actually in an earthly language that somebody in that audience understands and is then able to interpret. And uh, I actually had a friend who attended a church in Eastern Europe. And in this church, nobody spoke Afrikaans. And somebody got up and spoke fluent Afrikaans on stage, giving a complete message to the church in Afrikaans, even though none of them spoke it. And this friend of mine from South Africa understood it, got up and gave the interpretation. And it was, you know, it set off a powerful uh, move of God in that church in that moment because they knew God is speaking. God is doing it in miraculous ways. And and that's really the purpose even of, of the tongues and interpretation of tongues is to make people aware of how present God is. Um, And so it's the equivalent of prophecy. And because it's the equivalent of prophecy, it then has, you know, the same rules applying. It still needs to line up with scripture. It still needs to point to Jesus and it still needs to encourage, exhort and comfort. Um, In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul actually talks about it. And he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 23, he says, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, which I find, again, super interesting that Paul assumed everybody could speak in tongues. And outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. Literally, you know, those moments when, when, when you get a prophecy and you're like, nobody else could have known this. Nobody else could have seen the tears I cried in my bedroom at night, you know, when the door was locked and no one was around. But God knows, God sees, and so it really convicts people of the reality of God. Uh, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. And again, we said the gifts are there to make God known, to reveal his heart. And in this way, gift, the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues and prophecy has this ability to make God known to people. And that's what it said in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 8. It spoke about a time when Jesus returns, when prophecy will cease and tongues will cease. We won't need those things because we will be face to face with Jesus. But what prophecy and tongues are able to do now 
is bring us into that awareness now. It, it helps us to encounter Jesus in a real way in our lives today in a way that is incredibly powerful and faith building. And so this is what the gift of prophecy is about. This is what the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues are about. And uh, we hope that that has given you some insight. We want to encourage you to, to trust God to speak through you in this way and uh, to equip you and empower you to go out and to encourage others with the word of God. We also had a few questions come through from a few people this week that were asking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we only have time for one or two, but I wanted to just take a look at this question here by Andrew. Thank you for sending your question in, Andrew. Um, he asked, how can you identify these gifts and how do you let these gifts work in and through you? Um, and I think the first one is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 1. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant or uninformed about the gifts of the Spirit. I think one of the first ways for us to begin operating in the Holy Spirit and to identify the gifts of the Spirit within us um, is actually just to know what they are and to know how they operate. And that's where God's Word is always so enlightening and so empowering is that it tells us that, yes, God could give you a message you know, um, for somebody else. And then you can go and share that because because that's God's heart. And we don't have to wonder whether or not God wants to do that. It's in his scriptures. And so going through this helps us to identify that. And, and, and because we know them, we'll also know that there are, you know, certain steps that we can take. For example, if somebody is sick and they come to you and they say, can you pray for me? You know, you can just lay your hands on them and pray for them and trust God to operate through that gift in you, you know, and, and that's something that I've always, I earnestly desire the gifts, as, as Paul says that we should in 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Like, I want God to do the miraculous through my life. I want Him to speak through me. I want to be able to encourage people. Uh, you know, I want to be able to to speak into people's lives. And so oftentimes I'm, I'm, I'm available. I think that's the important thing. I'm just available for God to be able to speak through me or to be able to, you know, if somebody is sick, I'm, I'm going to go up and pray for them. Because I'd rather pray for a million people and see 10,000 healed than pray for 10 and see none healed. Because I wasn't ever truly trusting that God could work through me. And what I've noticed is, you know, for me, um, as I lay my hands on people, oftentimes is when God gives me a picture to, you know, as I'm praying for them, God will actually give me a picture and I'll begin to share that and it'll just kind of unfold from there. So I think that initial step of actually going out and laying your hand on somebody or just being obedient to the Holy Spirit when you feel something um, is so, so important. And I know that, Lee, that's something that you've done many times. Maybe you just want to share about that a little bit. So I'll never forget the first time that God gave me a word or a message um, for somebody, for a complete stranger. Um, I was just a teenager, very shy, very introverted, standing in church. There was a lady in front of me and she was just sobbing throughout worship. And in my heart, I just said a silent prayer saying, Lord, please just comfort her, whatever she's going through. Yeah. And what I didn't realize in that moment is I had made myself available for God to use me. Yeah. Um, and he comforted her through me. Yeah. Um, so he gave me an image for her, very powerful, but I didn't want to share it <laughs> yeah. because I was terrified. I was shy. I felt very unqualified. She was much older than me. Like, What, what authority did I have um, going up to her? She didn't know me. 
Um, but so throughout the service, I wrestled with it, um, but I couldn't. I couldn't shake it. I, I even prayed. I said, "Lord, if you told me, you can tell her directly." Yeah. But that that was not the way this was going to happen. So after the service, I, I went up to her and I shared this message. I don't know. I felt like I wasn't clear. I felt like I was messing it up. I felt like it wasn't conveyed nearly as beautifully as it was in my in my spirit. Yeah. But she just burst into tears and threw her arms around me and sobbed and yeah. thanked me. And then she said that her husband had died the, the week before. So even, I don't know, whatever I said was enough comfort for yeah. her. So I just made my, by saying that simple prayer, I had made myself available yeah. to the Holy Spirit to use me because obviously there was no one else around her. And if she was not in a space where she was receiving, I needed to use somebody else. Yeah. So just a simple prayer made me available. So good. So good. And I think what you said there is also so important that pe people often think that unless they can deliver this perfectly, that God wouldn't be able to work through it. But I think that even when our words are very fallible or and very they feel very weak, you know, coming from us, you know, um, God has the ability to empower those feeble words and really change somebody's life on the other end of it as he is genuinely connecting with them. And I think that's so, so powerful. I remember actually hearing of my aunt when she went and visited Jerusalem. She was in Jerusalem and uh, she felt she had a word for a lady who was praying at the, at the wailing wall. And she wasn't even sure if the lady was a Christian or whatever, but she had this word for her. And uh, went up to her eventually and delayed for a while, same, same as you, didn't really want to kind of impose. Went up, prayed for her uh, and, and prophesied, gave her the word. And this lady then turned around and said, and God says, never be afraid to share my word again. And so the lady just prophesied back to her, actually God speaking, but, you know, crossing the lines and coming back at her saying, saying, yeah, you can trust me. If I give you a word, just go up and share it. And that's so important because you never know what will be on the other end of your obedience. You never know the impact that your step of obedience, your step of faith will have as you step out there uh, to be able to share. And uh, another occasion I can share with you is when I was at a conference in Seattle and I was actually sitting on the front row with uh, some people and most of them I didn't know. And uh, there was a time of worship and everybody just kind of, you know, the guy next to me was on his knees praying and I was just worshiping. And in that moment, I had a picture for the guy that was kneeling next to me and uh, I sat down next to him and I said, hey, I just had this picture of you moving through the wilderness and God saying, even as the water followed Israel through the, through the wilderness, you know, he is going to follow you with his provision and he is going to unlock the doors of the future. And there was a specific situation I spoke into. And, um, and he was so encouraged. And he told me after the service that he had actually been praying about planting a church, wasn't sure if the time was right. And that word was literally the catalyst that gave him the confirmation he needed to step out and to do it. And a few years later, I actually went and preached at his church, this church that he had been planted um, in Seattle. What a privilege that was. And from then, more churches have been planted out of that one, you know. And so just one simple, you know, I was just kind of like a young, young guy just sharing something that I, a picture I felt that I had seen. But God actually used that word to set off in motion something that has now touched, uh, you know, how many lives, countless lives. And, and that's just how important our obedience is, uh, you know, and, and, and that's how, Andrew, we allow these gifts to work 
uh, in and through us. God will work it in us. We just have to allow it to work through us. <laughs> we just have to not, you know, reject it or turn away from it or refuse it. And so if you're available, God will work through you in these ways um, and you can, you can do that. Um, another question that we've got here is that can you only receive the gifts of the Spirit once you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit first? And our answer to that is, is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that gift where we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands, what we see in, you know, that in evidence of us being filled with God's Spirit. But the gift of the Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is distributing these to, to each one as He wills, I, I truly believe any believer, every believer, even if you have been a believer for 13 seconds, um, you know, that the Holy Spirit can use you. So no, you don't need to be necessarily have gone through that third experience of baptism of the Holy Spirit in order for God to, um, to use you in the gifts of the Spirit. And so, yeah, God is, is so good, so powerful, so available to all of us. And we really hope that this conversation has encouraged you today. And then you'll start trusting God in greater ways. You know, why has God never used me to, to see somebody healed? Well, how many people have you prayed for? You know, how, why has God never used me to share a word with somebody? Well, how many people have you gone up to in order to share that word? You know, we've got to take that step of faith as the Holy Spirit guides us and leads us. And it's an incredible adventure. It's amazing to experience as God works through us. And we know as a church, Anchor Church, we're trusting for God to work through us as individuals, but collectively as a community, as we continue to make a difference in the city. So thank you for joining us today. We want to encourage you to keep leaning in. Parents, we have emailed everybody a lesson for you to be able to take your kids through today. So go ahead and lean into that. Sit around with your kids and take them through some time of Bible study as well. Um, and again, you can find our worship playlist on Spotify. We will send that link through and you can spend some time in worship and prayer. Uh, don't forget about the growth track at 10.30 today. Um, you can join us on Zoom for the growth track step one. Uh, we'd love to see you there. But other than that, we are praying for you. We believe in you. And we will see you again next Sunday. God bless you.